Come on, is anybody excited about Jesus today? I said, is anybody excited about Jesus today? It's a little bit better. We are excited about, uh, as you just heard, Kids Camp that's coming up. want to let you know of a few things. Uh, one of those is if you are here and maybe one of the ways that you want to be a blessing to uh, a kids camper or a student that's going to the student conference or somebody that's going on the mission trip in June, uh, you can actually you can actually sponsor. There are uh, scholarship spots available, and so if you go online uh, in the drop-down menu, if you feel led to give directly to one of those uh, three things, you can do that online, and everything that you give will go toward uh, helping people or helping a, a, maybe a kid that can't afford to go to camp or a student that can't afford to go to the conference or someone who uh, just needs a little help financially to go on the mission trip and share the love of Jesus. That's one way that you can be a part of that. And uh, also another way that you can be a part for the mission trip specifically, uh, one of the easiest things you can do to help uh, fund that and, and send people on that is this Wednesday night, uh, you can go out to eat at Chili's. Come on, somebody. Uh, you can go there, and a percentage of everything, every person that goes in and eats there and mentions the church or the mission trip, a percentage of all of those proceeds is coming back to the church to be able to help people go to Belize this summer. And so this Wednesday night, you need to go eat at Chili's, and that's one way that you can be a blessing and help somebody uh, help somebody go over to another country and really spread the gospel and the good news of Jesus. Amen. Want you to show up this Saturday as well and serve. If you want to be a part of even providing uh, for Serve Day, you can stop in the lobby on your way out today. You can sign up to bring something to the Serve Day. We love serving our community. Amen. All right. Well, next week we're beginning a brand new series. Some of y'all were wondering when is a new series coming. Uh, and we're going to call this series, I'm excited about this series, this series is going to be called The Offensive Gospel, uh, Can You Resist Offense and Embrace the Truth? And so we're going to be talking about some stuff from uh, what Jesus did, what Jesus said, things that are in the Bible that you need to read because it is, uh, it is food for your life. Come on, somebody. And we're going to be talking about some things that in those days would have probably been offensive. And some of you have been offended by reading it uh, in today's culture. But we're going to talk about how we can resist offense and embrace the truth in some areas in our lives. And so we're beginning that next weekend. I'm excited about that. Uh, but today we're concluding our series on our word for 2020. Come on, if you know it, everybody say it with me. Progress. Come on, say it like you mean it progress and I know you're going to miss this series when it's over I can just tell by the looks on your faces right now that you are already so disappointed uh, but today we're, we're wrapping this series up and hopefully this series has been a blessing to you uh, we've talked about being pruned for progress that progress is a process uh, the table in the pantry and what to do with God's blessing and training day training ourselves we talked about uh, my part in the progress even if faith last week we talked about releasing the pressure and I would encourage you, today is part eight of this series and the conclusion of it. I would encourage you to go back on the podcast, go on the website, check out the other seven messages or the ones that you missed. I think they will really be beneficial to you uh, just as we've kind of gone through this series. And even something to go back to, even throughout the year, just to remind ourselves of what God is speaking to our church 
uh, for 2020. And as we conclude this series today, I want to talk to you on this subject if you're taking notes. The title of the message is The Goat. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and some of you are familiar with this acronym, uh, this G-O-A-T. Many of us have heard this phrase before. It stands for the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. So is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? I'm going to get you riled up, all the sports fans in here. Uh, one, of the, one of the biggest debates... <laughs> One of the biggest debates is Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Come on, somebody. Is it Michael Jordan? Is it LeBron James? Who is the greatest of all time? Some of y'all are like, it's neither one of them. It's somebody else. But <laughs> there, are, there are so many debates uh, that, that we like to go into. And if you watch SportsCenter or ESPN or anything like that, you'll you'll hear these debates about who's the greatest athlete of all time. We like to debate sometimes who is the greatest president of all time, who is the greatest leader of all time. We like to talk about and discuss these different areas and who or what is the greatest of all time. You know, is it is it what went on in the 90s? Is it what's going on in 2020? Is it what went on in 1957? Is it what went on in 1907? And so we like to debate, oh man, if you would have been around back in the day when I was young, then you would know what this really is about. And then all the young people are like, no, you don't know what it's about when in 2015 when I was born, right? It's like it's we like to debate on what is the greatest of all time in whatever scenario or whatever situation. But today I want to talk to you about something from the word of God that Paul wrote uh, when he was writing to believers in Corinth. And this is in First Corinthians chapter 13. And there is going to be a portion of this that you have read before, you have heard before, you probably used at your wedding before. Uh, there is a part of this that you're going to be familiar with, but I want to read all 13, the first 13 verses here. And then we're going to dive in today. He says, I may speak in different languages of people or even angels, but if I do not have love, I am only a noisy bell or a crashing cymbal. I may have the gift of prophecy, I may understand all the secret things of God and have all knowledge, and I may have faith so great I can move mountains. But even with all these things, if I do not have love, then I am nothing. I may give away everything I have, and I may even give my body as an offering to be burned, but I gain nothing if I do not have love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. It does not brag, and it is not proud. Love is not rude, is not selfish, and does not get upset with others. Love does not count up wrongs that have been done. Love takes no pleasure in evil but rejoices over the truth. Love patiently accepts all things. It always trusts, always hopes, and always endures. Love never ends. There are gifts of prophecy, but they will be ended. There are gifts of speaking in different languages, but those gifts will stop. There is the gift of knowledge, but it will come to an end. The reason is that our knowledge and our ability to prophesy are not perfect. But when perfection comes, the things that are not perfect will end. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I stopped those childish ways. It is the same with us. Now we see a dim reflection as if we were looking into a mirror. But then we shall see clearly. Now I know only a part, but then I will know fully as God has known me. So these three things continue forever, faith, 
hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And the worship team and uh, my wife did not even know when she got up here to kind of transition uh, at the end of worship what the message was about today. Uh, but it's about love. <laughs> it's about what Paul wrote and said, these are three things that will continue forever. And the greatest of these three things is love. So here's a summary of what Paul wrote to these Christians and what he's speaking to you and I today. He says, prophecy is good. Speaking in other languages is good. Having knowledge is good. Faith is good. Generosity is good. But if I don't have love, then I am nothing. I can give away everything I have, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. I can speak in another tongue, but if I don't have love, I can do all of these great things, but if I don't have love, I can do things that I think are important, that I think are good, that I think are what God has called me to do, but if I don't have love, the greatest of these is love. We can say it this way, of all the things that will continue forever, love is the greatest. So in light of the fact that love is the greatest of all time, I want to present to you four points today about love as we end this series together. The first point is really a foundation of where we're going and something that you need to get, and it's where we're going to spend the majority of our time today. But then I want to give you three, uh, three points after that that are ways that we can live this out Together, So here's point number one. They're very simple today if you want to write them down. Point number one is Christianity equals love. Christianity equals love. Well, Pastor Gabe, why are you talking about Christianity equals love? Because I think that sometimes we have a tendency to forget that Christianity, being a believer, being a follower of Jesus, equals love. Love for other Christians is a sign of true Christianity. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 7, he says, Dear friends, I am, not, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you have heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. What I find interesting about this before we move on to uh, another passage of scripture is that John is so passionate about this idea that Christian relationships are about love that he, he makes this assertion, this, this right here, that failure to love is the equivalent of hate. He is so passionate about the fact that as Christians, as believers, we are to love each other. That if you fail to love, listen to me, if you fail to love the person that's sitting next to you, if you fail to love somebody who is a part of the capital C church, if you fail to love, it's the equivalent of hate. 
It's the equivalent of, hey, look at, look at 1 John. He goes on just in the next chapter, in chapter 3, verse, starting in verse 11. He says, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should what? Love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil. And his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. Whew. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Can I submit something to you today? I think that too often as Christians, we, we live as if we're an only child. There are too many of us walking around living like we are the only person on planet earth that is following Jesus. We are living like we are an only child. That there is nobody else around. We only consider what we want. We're only focused on our own well-being. We don't really think that about other people's needs. And we kind of have our own I've got me and Jesus world that we're living in. And while you need you and Jesus, you are called by the word of God to love other believers, to love your brothers and sisters, to love the people that are sitting next to you, to love the people that are following Jesus and on the same path that you're on, on your way to heaven, trying to live this thing out. Listen to me. Christianity equals love. It equals love. Today, we need to realize that we're not an only child. That you have other brothers and sisters that God has called you to love. I think about even me as a parent. As a parent, one of the, the things that I want most for my kids, and I would say many parents want this same thing, is I want my kids to, to get along, to love each other while they're young, to have each other's backs while they're young, and as they grow up, that they don't lose that, that as they grow up, they're still defending each other. As they grow up, they're still loving each other. As they grow up, they're still getting together with each other. As they grow up, they've still got each other's backs because they love each other. And I feel like God is the same way about his kids. That if me as a parent, if one of the greatest desires of my heart is for my kids to love each other, to be in community together, to get along with each other, to be in unity together, to do life together, to love each other in this way, then I would submit to you that God has a desire for his kids. And it's for his kids to love each other, to live in unity, to do life together, to be in community together, to have each other's backs 
Christianity equals love. In fact, Jesus said this to his followers in John chapter 13. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. And most of us have read this or heard this before. He says, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The Amplified Bible says it this way in verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. How is somebody going to know that I'm following Jesus? It's by the way that I love you. It's by the way that you love me. It's by the way that we treat each other as children of God. It's by the way that we love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. So if love for other Christians is a sign of true Christianity... Then points two, three, and four that I'm about to give you are ways that God calls us to love each other. And here's number point number two today is that love equals serving. Love equals serving. One way that we actively love one another is by serving each other. And I know that uh, Amanda, when she came up, she read the first part. She did not know I was going to share this scripture. I saw her looking in her Bible during worship, and I leaned over and I said, you're about to read something that I'm going to read whenever I get up on that stage. And she said, what a coincidence that God would lead me to the same thing that you're about to share. But this is what it says in 1 Peter 4. I want to read verses 8 through 10. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, most important of all. Most important of all, let that sink in for a minute. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use the gifting that God has given you to serve one another. Use them well. How do you use them well? By serving one another. This is the reason I want to talk about really two areas uh, today. But this is the reason, uh, really sub point number one, that we as a church encourage you over and over and over again, get on a team. It's because God has gifted you in some way to teach, to love, hospitality, to, to, to be welcoming. There is something, musically, there is something that God has put on the inside of you that you need to use to love others well, to serve one another. When you use your gift, gift of hospitality, you're loving your brothers and sisters. Listen, when you serve in I kids, you're loving your brothers and sisters. Whatever aspect it is that you're serving in, it's a way that you're loving your brothers and sisters. But this isn't something that's just meant to be fulfilled in a building. There's opportunity in a building to say, you know what, I'm going to serve that single mom by serving in kids' ministry so that she has the opportunity to grow in her faith. So that she has the opportunity to hear about the love of Jesus. So that she has the opportunity to encourage another believer or be encouraged by another believer at some point today. 
But this isn't just something that's meant to be carried out within some walls. This is a lifestyle. Love is equal serving is a lifestyle. We should be sharing our home. We should be helping those that are in need. We should be speaking into each other's lives. We should be helping someone move out of their house like some impact men did just a few weeks ago. Come on, somebody. We should deliver meals to moms who have just had a baby like we do that so many of you do throughout the year. We should build a new fence for somebody. Come on, hallelujah. While they're out of town like many of you did for our family. We should build a porch and a ramp for a widow in need like some of you did last summer. Serving is a way that we actively show love to our brothers and sisters. It's, it's not meant... It's, It doesn't leave you when you leave church, when you leave a building. You are the church. And love is the call. And one of the ways that you're called to love your brothers and sisters is by serving one another. When there's something that needs to be done, we get together and we get it done when there's somebody struggling with something we get together and we pray and we encourage that person when there's something going on in somebody's life somebody is there love love is a sign that you are a believer why are we trying to separate the two well i know i gotta love you but i don't have to like you you ever thought about what that even means? <laughs> well, I've got to, I know i got to love you, but I'm not going to serve you. You're called to love. And love looks like serving. Here's point number three. Love equals patience. Love equals patience. Another way that we actively love one another is in patience. Ephesians 4.2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. Because of your love for each other, you are going to be patient and make allowance for each other's faults and be humble and be gentle. You ever been frustrated with, with, with another believer about something that you just wanted to fix for them? Just want to fix it. Just want to. I know what you ought to be doing, I know what you should be doing, and I just want to fix it. Just want to fix it for you. And you're frustrated about it. This idea of being patient and making allowance for each other's faults is not based on emotion. You ever been hurt by another believer because of a fault? Oh, I'm preaching now. You ever been hurt by, some of y'all are like, yeah. You ever been hurt by somebody else who was a believer who claimed to be a Christian because of a fault, because of a mistake, because of something they said, because of something they did, and you're like, Really? Love equals patience. Love is making allowance. It's making space. Knowing that we're not all going to be perfect. 
but we're going to love each other. We're going to love each other. It's not based on emotion. This is, it's based on an unselfish concern for another person. Doing something just for the benefit of another person. In other words, we could say it this way. I'm going to love you unselfishly and for your benefit. I'm going to love you unselfishly and for your benefit. I'm going to be patient with you for your benefit. I'm going to make allowance. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to love you in this way unselfishly for your benefit. Love equals serving. Love equals patience. And then here's point number four today. Is that love equals sacrifice. Love equals sacrifice. And I, I pray to God that you do not walk out of here and just hear words and just walk out and think, wow, that was a good message. Wow, you know, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Wow, I don't that you would walk out of here and that you would take to heart the fact that as a believer, you're called to love. Love equals Christianity. That's what it is. It's loving one another. How are people going to know that you're a follower of Jesus by the way that you love the person next to you? By the way that you love the person that's a part of the church on Tuesday? By the way that you serve one another? By the way that you're patient with one another? And by the way that you sacrifice? And I want to bring the worship team back as we dive into this last point we began our series if you remember in John 15 and we read verses 1 through 11 and that's where we began and today we're going to end our series with the next two verses that follow those 11 so we're bringing it all the way back around but I want to read the whole 13 verses from John chapter 15 and then we're going to talk about it for just a moment this is what it says Jesus says I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And here's the next two verses. Just write in flow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And if you were to go on reading, it talks about how Jesus calls us friend. No greater love than to lay down your life for somebody else. No greater love. And here we see the command again from Jesus to love each other. But not only to love each other, but to love each other the way that Jesus loved us. 
See, it's one thing to say that we're called to love. It's another thing completely. When you say that you're called to love like Jesus loves you. You're called to love in the same way that he loves you. And I'm going to make a strong statement. Will you stand to your feet today? I'm going to make this statement. And then I want to pray for you. We're going to sing together. We're going to worship together again in this place. Love equals sacrifice. If you're called to love, there's no greater love than the love of somebody who would lay down their life for a friend. Who would lay down their life for somebody else. And I find it interesting that as Christians, there are many of us that would say we're eternally grateful. Hopefully all of us would say that we're eternally grateful for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. I bet if we were to go around the room today, there would not be a single person that would not say, I am eternally grateful for the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. But there are many of us who are not willing to sacrifice anything for anybody else. Can we be real for the next 30 seconds? If, if we were to go around individually, and I know this is hard to swallow, and you've got to look internally, and you've got to say, Holy Spirit, you do something on the inside of me. You reveal what you need to reveal in me. You do in me what you need to do in me. But there is not a single person, I would, I would venture to say, in this entire room that would be willing to say, you know what, I'm not eternally grateful. We're all eternally grateful. It's by the blood of Jesus. It's by grace and grace alone. It's what Jesus did for us, shedding his blood on the cross, rising from the dead on the third day, that we can even be here and have relationship with God the Father. It's the only way. It's the only way. And so all of us would say, I'm, I'm eternally, I just can't even express how grateful I am that Jesus would sacrifice so much for me. But on the flip side of that, would you be willing to sacrifice and love in a way that was sacrificial for somebody else? If you know how much it means to you, that Jesus would sacrifice so much for you that he would prove his love for you in this way. Doesn't it make sense that if we're called to love as Jesus loves us, that we would be willing to sacrifice For the sake of somebody else. And I think this is, I think this is the, if you don't hear anything else today, I think this is the call today. It's that Jesus is asking, this is what I did for you. And I would do it all over again. I would do it for one. So the call today and the question today is, are you willing to love, like the word of God says, to love your brothers, to love your sisters? Come on, Paul, 
Paul was writing this to believers. And listen, here's the, here's the thing. Jesus is saying this to his followers. Love each other like I have loved you. And then what did he do? Then he went out and he showed it. He said, love, listen, love each other. That's how people are going to know. That's how people are going to know. Love each other the way that I have loved you. And then he went out and he demonstrated sacrificial, unselfish, unconditional love. And you got to think that the disciples were looking back thinking, just told us to love each other the way that he did and then he went and did that he went and laid down his life for me and I'm supposed to love in this way and we read it First Corinthians 13, and many of us, we quote it, we, we hear it at weddings, we all this, but love is not selfish. Love is sacrificial. The way that Jesus loves you is sacrificial. And love equals sacrifice. Love equals sacrifice. So the greatest these three things that will continue forever faith, hope, and love is love and the greatest love that you can show is to lay down your life for your brother or sister can I submit this to you and then I'm going to pray for you I promise what if the health of our church isn't based on how many programs we have or the size of the budget or how many people are standing here What if the health of our church is based on how well we love each other? Wouldn't it change the game? If we began to think of, you know what a healthy church looks like? It looks like people that love each other and serve each other and show patience with each other and are willing to sacrifice for each other. Can you imagine how it would turn the world upside down? If people started seeing a church, believers that were doing this, what if, what if your personal spiritual maturity isn't based on how often you attend church? What if your personal spiritual maturity isn't based on how many how many verses you have memorized? What if spiritual maturity is linked to how well you love other brothers and sisters? Because Jesus said one thing. He could have named a list. They will know that you are my followers if you do it right. 
They will know that you are my followers if the message is good. They will know that you are my followers if they sang my song today. They will know that you are my followers if everything is going my way. They will know that you're my followers if somebody finds out what you did for somebody else. That's not what Jesus said. He said they will know. Everyone will know that you are following me by the way that you love each other. Loving each other well is the game changer. It's a game changer. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes today? What if what Jesus said in John 13 is actually true? And this hurting and broken world will be attracted to people who truly love each other well and show that they're following Jesus in this way. And I'm going to pray for you and I want to go ahead and bring the prayer team down, but this is what I want to ask if there's anybody here today who knows. And you'd be willing to say right here, just between you and God, and I'm just going to pray for you. We're going to sing together, worship together. You're going to have an opportunity to come for prayer if you want to do that. But here's here's the, the call today. If you're here and you would say, I, I know, Gabe, I know that I have not been actively loving my brothers and sisters the way that, that Christ has called me to love them. But today, I want to change the game. Today, I'm making a shift. If that's you and that's your prayer today, will you just lift your hand all across the room? God, you see every hand. Or people that would say, I haven't been actively living out the kind of love that serves, the kind of love that shows patience, the kind of love that is gentle and humble, the kind of love that is sacrificial, the kind of love that says, the way that I love proves that I'm a follower of Jesus. So God, I pray for every person in this room today, especially those with their hands raised. God, that you would renew love in us. That you would remind somebody today of how much you love them. That there's nothing they can do to separate themselves, their self from, from your love. And God, that you would teach us every day as we make progress, as we put one foot in front of the other, teach us to love well. To love well. To love in the way that you've called us to love. Today, as we sing this, this last song, if there's anybody here, Lord, that needs prayer, Holy Spirit, would you draw them for prayer so that somebody can agree with them, somebody can stand with them, somebody can encourage them. It's in Jesus' name we pray.